welcome to the Rumcast episode 54. We've arranged a very interesting interview with some Rumcast veterans whose names you very likely know for this episode, but what we're talking about with them is a bit different than what you might be used to in the rum world. But before we get to that, let's check in with the man who some might call the vanilla to my passion fruit, co-host Will <laughs> Hookinga. Will, how's your rum treating you lately? I feel like that's a very insulting uh, <laughs> moniker. I have to be the vanilla and you're the passion fruit? I'm definitely the passion fruit, Will. But no, vanilla is great. You know, it, we don't mean vanilla like, oh, vanilla. We mean vanilla as the spice, you know? It's it's a it's a, we, a note that we get in rum so very often and we love it, right? Sure, so that's, we love always, vanilla. that's always what people mean when they describe something as vanilla. You're right. It's usually a good thing and not something that means bland and boring. But actually, you're right. Uh, vanilla and passion fruit together is a combo that works quite well. Um, we'll get into that a little bit later when we get into the interview. But um, man, I'm having a hard time recovering from that body blow of being described as <laughs> vanilla. So you're just going to have to tell me what's what's new, what's going on with you. I'm going to recover over here. You know, I guess if you want to be the basil to my pineapple, we can make that work. That's <laughs> that, fine. That works a little better. I feel like um, basil is a little more exciting. <laughs> But, you know, I guess you, you being a little uh, frustrated by that is, is uh, par for the course because I have to say, Will, I need to, I, I'm, I'm pissed and I need to get something Ooh, off my chest. Get a vent? Actually. Have a I got vent a vent session? Yes. And it's, and it's rum related. So I, well, I, you I would know, hope I have so. To, I hope you're yeah, not yeah. just about to unload a bunch of personal <laughs> problems on, on the podcast. No, I, I try to not do that as much. You know, I find generally speaking, that's a, not a good idea. Um, yeah. But when it comes to rum, yes, I feel like this is a forum where I can be pissed about it and Let commiserate. It let it uh, out. With some people. We so, all get all right. mad sometimes. Yeah. So, well, let me, let me set the table here for you. So I, I'm doing my normal thing, uh, looking up rum stuff online and, you know, looking at new bottles and whatever, research for the show, probably. Uh, mm -hmm. And uh, I come across this post on Reddit. Okay. And this post on Reddit is titled, quote, off topic, colon, wow, rum is a shit show. Now, Will, before I get to, to what's in this post, it was posted on a subreddit that had something to do with whiskey. So it wasn't a rum Reddit post. And I'm not sure how the algorithm found me, but it did. And it got me upset. Yeah, I figured it must not have been in a, in a rum subreddit if I didn't find it. Yeah. So. Yeah. Not, so anyways, not, that I'm the, not that I'm like constantly on Reddit or anything, but I check it every once in a while, you know? Yeah. Usually I wouldn't want to read the whole thing here, but it's fairly short and I okay. think it sets the stage for us. So I'm just going to uh, read uh, a little bit of what's in this post so that we can commiserate here. Rum is a shit show from the top. <sighs> so it says, quote, coming from whiskey, I ventured a bit into the rum sector lately. And what I learned there was truly shocking. It's completely normal to add massive amounts of sugar to the product without any declaration. And we're talking Coke levels of sugar here. Also, very common to add aromas, especially vanilla flavor, also without any declaration. And no, I'm not talking about spiced rum, but about, quote, real rum. So what the fuck rum? We in the whiskey world complain about food coloring, which is common in rum too, but that stuff is a whole other level. To sum it up, I guess I'll just stick to whiskey until they get their shit together. Mm. Uh, so so what, are your, what are your feelings? What are your thoughts? So he, here's why this gets me upset. Number one... We, we know it's not completely incorrect, right? Because right. there yeah. is an obvious issue here. We rum geeks know there are rums out there with high levels of sugar and additives, but we also know it's not all rum. And right. I do, I, I feel like I take issue with the way the picture is painted here that makes it feel like the whole category. Yeah. It's the fact that I guess he dug enough into it to see the problem, but also not enough to get beyond it. Those things really just, it, it, it frustrates me because this is the type of thing that I think stops rum from taking the next big step. And that people, whether it's in a whiskey or another spirit category or venturing into rum, only enough to be left with the quick impression that rum sucks and isn't worth their time. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll say like, I think we both want great things for rum. We want more people to enjoy it. We want people to appreciate like the, the best parts of it. Um, Personally, I don't care if like every whiskey person ever comes to appreciate rum. I don't think they need to. I don't think rum needs them to in order to like validate that rum is good. It doesn't need the validation. Mm -hmm. I do think that what I would like to avoid are situations where people come into the category, whether they're a an enthusiast of another category or they're a spirits novice, you know, and they have that experience where they run into something that they're sold something that they thought was something else, you know, right. whether that right. is uh, a questionable 
age statement or non-age statement on the bottle, but a number on the bottle that makes you think it's an age statement or whether it's, you know, a whole bunch of sugar in the rum that is not disclosed on the bottle or, you know, flavors or whatever kind of additives you want to talk about that's not disclosed. I, I can understand why someone having an experience like that where they buy something and it turns out to not be what they thought it was in a way that makes them feel tricked or duped. I can understand sure. that making someone upset and angry. I do. I, I agree that sounding off on something without really, I don't think it's entirely accurate to say rum as an entire category is a shit show because there's plenty of producers that are, have taken like great strides in transparency, like things are happening. So I don't think it's the most accurate picture. And I think when you kind of like loudly sound off like that about it to uh, a group of people who are spirits enthusiasts, it gives them the wrong impression of the category. But yeah. at, at the same time, I, I can't be entirely upset about someone reacting like I, I wouldn't go post something like that. But it's just you know, I almost never post anything on social media. So, um, so I, mean, I, 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 you know, it's someone venting. I'm not going to get all wound up about it. But at the same time, like I do, I want more people to come to the category of rum. I want them yeah. to, to love it and celebrate it and not look down on it. I think I think rum is treated unfairly in a lot of ways. I, I do think rum deserves to be appreciated on the same level as something like scotch. And obviously people who are already rum enthusiasts like we are do appreciate it like that. But I guess what I'm saying is like, I don't need the validation of like bourbon connoisseurs, scotch connoisseurs or whatever. Like, I don't need them to think rum is great because like, I already know rum is great. I don't think that's where I'm going. I think my my frustration comes in. And by the way, I don't care that he sounded off about it as much as you do. Like, I, you're right. I probably wouldn't do that. But it, it doesn't bother me that that this is the impression and he's posting his impression here. I guess what what does bother me is that it does feel like it's actively other people who are seeing this may see this and be like well still not going to get into rum because you know clearly this seems to be the case and that's what bothers me is i don't need the validation of other people i do want to see rum flourish and i think these are the things that hold it back from doing it. i mean the the comments on this there's like 75 plus and I'm not going to go into those, but man, you read through those and it, it is disheartening. The The beautiful thing about Reddit also is that you do get pushback from people in the comments who can say, you know, hey, you're not looking in the right places and that's fine and that's great. But it's just, it's it sucks to see that this was posted like, I don't know, this month and we're still fighting these battles. Right, yeah. Right? It does kind of seem like areas. the thing that you would hope you wouldn't see as often at this point. Uh, maybe you'd see it like a couple of years ago or something, but it is kind of a reminder of there's a, kind of a long way to go in getting transparency like to the level that it needs to be at in rum. Totally agree. And I guess that's a perfect segue to transition over to our topic uh, for discussion today, which is about a rum that does have fruit in it, but is really, really transparent about it. So transparent that you could see them floating exactly. in the bottle. Yeah. Yes. Amazing. So as you hinted at in the introduction to this episode, we had a couple of people, uh, old friends of the Rumcast. We had uh, Kate Perry and Johan Jobello, both of La Maison Avelier, on the podcast to talk about a brand that it was kind of unexpected Mm -hmm. to me to see them working with this brand, not because it's not a great product. And we talk about this on the podcast, but just because it's so different from the other types of rum and rum related products that yeah. rum enthusiasts have, have come to associate with La Maison and Bellier, you know, the whether it's, you know, transcontinental rum line or Hampton Estate or, you know, there's mm-hmm. all kinds of stuff that's kind of like on the nerdier side of rum, uh, the stuff that we love to talk about. But in this case, this is a brand called Aromatic, and it was started in France by Clémence and Thierry Auger. And it's a rum orange brand. And if you aren't familiar with rum orange, it's basically a, a, a tradition of rum uh, in the French Caribbean, and not just the French Caribbean, but also on La Reunion, um, mm-hmm. other islands around the world, uh, you know, associated with France. Uh, rum orange is basically you take some rum, put some stuff in it, uh, usually something like fruit, uh, might be vanilla, something like that. And you let it sit there for a few months, and then you drink it. Also, sometimes people add cane syrup and stuff like that to sweeten it a little bit. And if you go to, you know, Martinique, Guadeloupe, Reunion, like I was saying, um, I haven't been myself, but my understanding mm-hmm. is you will see rum orange all over the place. Um, and so that's what this brand is. It's not coming from those islands, but this is a, a French company. 
the the founders of it, their background was uh, in the grocery business. So they had this like really large knowledge of fresh produce and things mm-hmm. like that. And basically, La Maison Avelier invested in the company, is helping them launch in the U.S., um, and so La Maison Avelier is now bringing all this intense rum knowledge to this company. And uh, it's, it's pretty interesting just because it's, it's a style of rum. You know, we usually don't talk about, pro- you know, products that, and we get into like, I don't want to call this a flavored rum because when, right. when you Parsing say the difference, exactly. There, yeah. When you, when yeah. you say flavored rum, it makes you think of, you know, the mass market bottles uh, in, in the liquor store and stuff like that, that might not have the most natural mm-hmm. process for, for mm-hmm. flavoring them. Whereas this is, completely natural like you can see the fruit or whatever is in the rum like floating inside the bottle and I I think it's really interesting when you take something that is a you know cultural tradition in rum making countries and bring it to a market that has never seen it before it's like wow like how do you guys do this so we kind of got into all of that with them obviously we talked about the production and like the different rums that they're now using in this that was something that was really interesting to me because before this, my impression of rum oranger was that it was always rum agricole, which is not the case. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, if you go to Martinique and Guadeloupe, it'll usually be rum agricole, not the case everywhere else. And now La Maison Avelier is kind of like helping aromatic experiment with other types of rum beyond rum agricole uh, in these bottles. So super interesting. I'm really looking forward to just getting people's reaction to this product. Uh, Kate sent us some samples. And at first, I wasn't sure what to you know how to use it i was like mm-hmm. you know do i drink this neat and, and i won't spoil it all but we'll, we'll get into it uh, during the episode but one thing i will say is it was kind of a game changer when i realized that most people enjoy it chilled that was not something that i tried at first yeah. and when i did that it made a really big difference in my impression of it it's almost kind of like I, I would say it's akin to essentially like a bottled cocktail, sort of, is, is kind of how I was able to enjoy it once I chilled it. So anyway, I'll shut up about it because we talk, <laughs> you know, we get into all this stuff on the episode. But yeah, before we dive into it, anything that stuck out to you about it? The biggest thing for me was just hearing about the amount of time poured into developing and almost curating, I guess you could say, these these products, the combinations, the split and the blends of this versus that, and how they really set it up for success to be, like you said, a, a product that can be sipped on its own and, and really deliver on that. And, and just the bottles are beautiful. If you haven't taken a look at them online and looked at what they look like, I, I'm a bottle geek, I guess you would say at this point, we can call myself that. Uh, And they are beautiful looking too. So that was my favorite part of just hearing about all the time and effort that's been poured into how these were uh, blended and arranged in such a way to make them what what they are and what you'll experience in the bottle. I think we can just uh, take a quick break and we'll get back with the interview. All right, let's do it. are here with Johan Jobello and Kate Perry. They are, uh, Johan is the rum product manager and U.S. market coordinator for La Maison and Vellier. Kate Perry is the national manager of the U.S. market, La Maison and Vellier. And both are Rumcast veterans. Yeah. So I actually, I went back and checked. Kate, you were on the eighth episode ever of the Rumcast. It's been almost exactly two years since wow. that episode was published. How and many episodes have you done in total? We this will be fifty four, right, yeah. John? Cool. Yeah, fifty four. Yeah, yeah. I feel jo- so hard. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's great. And Johan, you were episode forty one, so about six months ago. So okay, um, uh, already yeah, six months. Oh, yeah, already was, uh, six months. I know it's crazy. No, is that so to be honest, yeah. I, I, I thought it was uh, longer than that. Yeah, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. One year ago, even more. But yeah, okay, it's wild. Yeah. So it's been just, a time warp, though. Yeah, we are in a time warp. <laughs> yep. Um, obviously, uh, people listening will know that uh, I mean we're here to talk about aromatic today, uh, which is very fascinating. I'm really excited to talk about it. But obviously, you both do a lot of things uh, with La Maison and Bellier. So, just what's been going on? What has kind of been your focus over the past few months? Catch us up on uh, on everything you've been doing. Oh man, uh, so many fun things. We've actually 
Joan and I have been working really hard together because he's actually coming this summer for a real in-person live tour. So he gets to come uh, hang out in the U.S. with me for a week in July and then a week in August. I'm really excited about that. Uh, We're focusing on the transcontinental range which Juan has done such an incredible job um, rebranding. It has yeah. some cool new packaging. Um, we have some cool new expressions. So I think that's kind of been our focus lately, Juan, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, sure, sure. Uh, I've been uh, working on this for, for the 2021. So now we are able to release it. In fact, the bottles are on the, on the ship uh, right now. And nice. uh, they, they should arrive today. at uh, Today, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the bottle uh, is on know. the ship, and the ship yeah. is on the bottle. Also, <laughs> <laughs> we keep it meta around here. <laughs> yeah, hopefully we should get it uh, within a few weeks uh, or, or months, depending on the congestion uh, at the port. So, okay, you forgot to, to tell that uh, we we visit you guys also uh, one one month and a half ago. Uh, we we came that to New York. Like <laughs> uh, we came to New York with uh, the, the whole team. It was uh, the occasion for us to, to do the launch of uh, one of our uh, artist whiskey range, which name is Artist. And oh, uh, in cool. the meantime, we uh, launched uh, Version Française, which is uh, our specific brand dedicated to, to French spirits. So, so far, we have been bottling some French whiskeys and some Armagnac. And of course, uh, it was also the, the occasion to speak about uh, Transcontinental Romline and, and Aromatic, uh, which is uh, the main topic of, uh, of today. So kind of talking about aromatic here, let's start with talking about for those that are unfamiliar with what this is, which is a, a rum orange, can you define that for us? And, and really, what is the difference between that, a, a rum orange and a spiced rum? Okay. Okay. So rum orange is a, is a, is a product originally from, uh, from the Reunion Island in the Indian So in fact, it's just a preparation of rum with macerated fruits, leaves, bark, or botanical. It's like it's a true piece of heritage from the different islands where rum is produced. The rum orange produced in La Réunion is different from the one in Martinique or, or Guadeloupe, but it's really part of uh, the culture. I mean, I do come from Martinique and Guadeloupe, and uh, my, my, my grandmother, my aunt, I mean, everybody is doing their own rum orange. It's really something that everybody uh, can do uh, because it's, uh, it's really a, a tradition. If you compare it to, to a spice rum, a spice rum, uh, I mean, it's kind of close because, for instance, in Jamaica, to my mind, they are, they are more uh, producing spice rum. They are not speaking of, uh, of rum arrangé. Spice rum, maybe also, they even more spicy. Also, maybe to my mind, less sweet compared to, uh, to a rum arrangé. Mm. But they are really, really, really close, really similar. And also, what I want to add to this is that in France, now we are not allowed to describe, for instance, aromatic as a rum arrangé. Yeah, I wanted to ask about that. I, I saw that on the website and thought yeah, that was interesting. Yeah, and yeah, we are obliged to, to, to call it rum push because rum arrangé means that it's, uh, it's a rum. So it's uh, the minimum uh, ABV should be 30, 37.5. In order to be labeled rum in the EU, exactly. right? Exactly. Okay. And uh, for instance, aromatics are around uh, 28 to 30 uh, ABV. So that's why they are obliged to call it rum push. But... Everybody in uh, would speak about rhum arrangé. So legally, we are not allowed to describe it as uh, rhum arrangé, but in the, in the culture, and everybody knows that uh, rhum arrangé. If you know, you know. Use, yeah, <laughs> this, uh, this, uh, this term. So, because ponche rhum means that you have also juice in it. And in mm-hmm. fact, rhum arrangé is only a, macer- a maceration of fruit right. and or botanicals uh, or both. So this is really the, the different the right. difference. Right, which is a challenge, I imagine, because when you say a rum punch, that's what, like you said, people think about, oh, does, is there juice in it? Is there anything else? But like you're saying, a, a rum orange, as I can now pronounce correctly, hopefully, is the just the macerated fruits and some of the spices, botanicals, like you said, that are added in there, and that's that's it, and that's where exactly. it kind of stops. You mentioned I wanted to talk a little bit more about kind of the origins and the history of it. You mentioned it's uh, it, it was from the French islands, right? And can you both talk a little bit more about kind of that culture and where that began and how much do we know for certain about its origins? Like, how far can you go back and see that this is uh, something that's been in existence? Uh, to be honest, I, I, I don't know for how long we can we can go back to this. I mean, I think that maybe uh, since people, they were 
able to, to produce rum, they started to, to do it because maybe, in, you know, in the past, the rum could be sometimes harsh and uh, having some fruits and some uh, uh, sugarcane syrup, you would be able to, to drink it. I mean, to my mind, it's just uh, simple uh, as this. But if I have to make a difference between uh, the rum arrangé from uh, La Réunion and, uh, and the Caribbean, the rum used is, uh, is not the same. I mean, in La Réunion, they will oftenly um, uh, use a traditional rum, meaning uh, a rum produced with molasses. Mm -hmm. When uh, in the Caribbean, we will use more uh, an agricultural rum. So mm -hmm. uh, this is maybe the, the main difference between uh, the, the two regions. But both, I would claim that uh, they, they, they did it first. Uh, first. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, people from La Réunion will tell you, we, this is definitely uh, our product. But in the Caribbean, we, we, we do have this, uh, also this tradition. And uh, if you speak also about uh, spice rum and uh, all mm -hmm. the stuff like this, I mean, everybody can claim that they were the first to do it. So Yeah, it's, it's interesting when talking about like how stuff like this started, because um, I, I don't know exactly when, when it started either, but I feel like the more kind of rum producing countries when you talk to people from there there's so often there's some sort of tradition like this like if, exactly. if the place is Everybody. making rum and there's delicious fruits and things growing nearby like play well at, together at, yeah. at some point a while ago someone was going to combine them um, yeah. like if you go to puerto rico you'll find people who have a, a very similar tradition they don't call it uh, rum rj but yeah you'll find the same thing of macerated fruits in, being in, put in cape verde they are, they are also putting a, a kind of uh, rum arrangé using grog uh, so mm. yeah everybody uh, right. i think that every everywhere that you can where uh, rum is produced locally you will find uh, uh, something similar to Rome Arrangé. I mean, uh, everybody will do it their own way, but at the end, it's kind of the same product. Yeah, I think that in you know the case of Rome as well, it tends to have a lot of fruit in it, not always. We have one that should be arriving to market soon that is ginger and thyme citron, or lemon mm. thyme, which is really delicious and can kind of be used almost like a digestif. It's really tasty mm. after dinner. Um, but if you look at, you know, Dominican Republic, you have Mamawana in uh, Haiti, they have Clairhan Trompe. Mm -hmm. uh, if you go to St. Lucia, and in my mind, St. Lucia is maybe more in common with uh, Ramarange just based on culture, because when you go to St. Lucia, everybody has a big glass jug of rum with stuff in it, right? Yeah. <laughs> Everybody's sitting on, you know, the street selling their own house uh, recipe yeah. of rum with bark and botanicals and different ingredients that they've sourced locally, that they've soaked into their rum. And I think that that's, I haven't been to La Réunion, but I've seen it in the French Caribbean as well. Um, and as Joanne alluded to, it's very much a, a local thing that you make at home. Uh, you take whatever fruit is in season, you soak it into your rum, and it tastes delicious. <laughs> yeah, and you know, sometimes you can even have some uh, rum oranges that are developed as a medicine. I have one bottle mm -hmm. at home. It, it's called the uh, Giriman in French, which uh, means like uh, uh, healing uh, the man, for instance. Mm -hmm. And uh, as if it's a brand of... Uh, I don't know, maybe uh, 20, 30 bot different botanicals. Wow. Uh, and as if on the labels, they will tell it, you have a headache, uh, stomachache. I mean, every, if you have a, any hail, you, you just need to drink uh, one spoon of uh, it in, in the morning, uh, in the evening. And uh, after that, you will be okay. <laughs> this is, uh, I mean, I'm not sure it's true. I'm drinking it. I do like it. It's, uh, I was going to really, ask if you it, could give us your personal success rate. It's really tasty. <laughs> Uh, but I mean, uh, if I'm really in a bad situation, I would definitely go to, to the doctor. So step one is if you're not feeling well, rum orange. Step two, go to the doctor if, this, that, if that doesn't work, right? <laughs> uh, no, it's it's interesting, uh, Kate, you, you mentioned kind of, I don't, I don't want to say necessarily like unconventional, maybe unexpected infusions or things going into these rum orangés. And one of the first things I noticed when looking at Aromatic was I think I saw one that was uh, all tarragon. And that struck me as... Uh, something that I didn't expect, you know, kind of very inventive. And, and you sent us samples. And I think the first one that I tried was like a basil pineapple one. Mm -hmm. And that, that stood out to me right away as like, okay, this is something like cool and kind of unexpected different, and, yeah. you know, something different. And I, I think that's like an important distinction. We talked about this when we had the folks from St. Lucia Distillers on because we wanted to learn a little bit about like the local spiced rum culture in St. Lucia, because I think most listeners of our podcast are in the States. And when they see, you know, rum with, some, with something infused or added or whatever, you know, they think of the mass market kind of spiced rums first, right. kind of like overlooking that most of these places where rum is being made have these like 
long yeah. cultural traditions around this stuff. And it's not the same as the mass market spice drum that we're, you know, all aware of the brand I'm talking about. But uh, totally. so that's why I think it's cool to, to get to learn about this stuff a little deeper. Johan, you, you mentioned kind of growing up in Martinique that this was very prevalent. It was around, you mentioned your grandmother made it. What like, what were kind of some of the did you have like go-to combinations or like fruits to use in your family? Was it always changing based on what's available? Like, do you remember a particular ramarange that like really stands out growing up that you enjoyed the most? No, I mean, uh, we, we, we have like a really uh, a normal uh, approach and uh, we won't do a kind of recipes as if uh, there will be only a maturation fruit by fruit. So you can have uh, a ginger ramarange or cherry ramarange, mm-hmm. guava ramarange. Yeah, otherwise, yeah, p- people they will do maturation by by myself. You have a you have a brand which is the Mabi Ponche. It's a it's a, a romarange made in Guadeloupe by uh, by uh, one mother and, uh, and their, their two sisters. And they will only use like uh, local fruit and uh, also like whole fruit that people no longer eat or consume, but they they really wanted also you know to to let people discover this uh, ancient fruit that people uh, maybe sometimes they, they don't know uh, them uh, anymore. But uh, by also uh, producing this kind of fromages, it's also, to my mind, for, for them, uh, a way to, uh, to uh, introduce people to their, uh, to their culture. In fact, because, uh, yeah, sometimes we have lost also some, some memory about uh, what people could uh, consume in the past. And this mm. is also a nice way to do the, the link between the, the present and, and the past. Is it more common to find people sort of like making their own at home? Or is there also a big market of, you know, people buying it from from kind of, you know, local people? No, kind of local people, they, they would do it by, by themselves. And uh, the, the, the brand uh, was being developed on the island. Most of the sales are for the, the tourists. But gotcha. Because, I mean, for us, it's so simple. I mean, just... Uh, right. Take some rum and some. I mean, it's it's just a. It's kind uh, of a two-step process. You, you, you are, you are, you are doing a cake. It's, it's oh. kind of the same, mm-hmm. and uh, you can you can control the, the evolution. You 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 taste it uh, every one month. Uh, maybe you have to add some sugar or some rum, and uh, you, you just uh, adapt yourself to uh, to to the taste and to to what you want uh, at the end. So, for instance, I was talking about this brand, uh, Mabi Ponche. Uh, there are also uh, a lot of uh, local people that are also buying it because it's really nice. And for instance, this brand is it's, uh, also uh, stronger in ABV because yeah, they are using a, a rum uh, at uh, 50 ABV. So the final ah. product is around uh, 35 compared to uh, most of the products in the market, which are between 25 and, and 30. So this is uh, the main uh, difference. But what I want to what I uh, wanted to say is that uh, at the opposite, uh, aromatic, they have really uh, innovative uh, uh, approach. In fact, because they are really developing recipes that are quite uncommon. For instance, they they, they did two recipes uh, uh, using a, a roasted pineapple or roasted pear. So they will like cook the fruit before doing the maceration. And to be honest, before aromatic, I, I never heard about uh, any brand uh, doing this kind of of romarange. So. I would say that compared to most of the market, they used to be uh, grocers, in fact, for 15 years. So, I mean, they, they, their knowledge is on the fruit and the, veg- and the vegetable. So this is really their approach. And so that's why they have been able to have a really a single approach. And they are always doing the, the best uh, fruits because, yeah, for them, the, the quality, the flavors, they want to have the perfect uh, ripeness also. Uh, so this is what makes them really different to my mind compared to, to, to the market. Well, you, you kind of stepped into what I wanted to talk about next, which is aromatic and how it is being brought out to market. So you've got this delicious product, right? You know about the culture. You, you've you've uh, steeped yourself in it, to, so to say. Nice. No pun intended. And, Very clever. Uh, that was good. <laughs> <laughs> I liked just, that. Just don't, happens don't, sometimes. Don't encourage him. <laughs> And so you've got this now, and I guess I'm interested to know how long did it take to develop the aromatic brand of Ramaranje, and how did you all decide to bring that to market, and and what's that process been like to bring this to a larger audience? So Aromatic was founded in 2014 by Clémence and Thierry Auger, mm-hmm. who are still the, the owner of the company. Uh, so before doing this, they were for 15 years uh, they own a grocery store. So they were uh, selling fruits and vegetables. And in fact, they started to, to doing their own maceration and uh, selling, you know, just a, a couple of bottles. They had a, a lot of success uh, with this uh, Roma Ranger. 
And uh, at one point, in fact, they decided to develop this activity and uh, and to stop the, the grocery uh, store and to really focus on the, on the Romarangé. We have been working with them, I mean, as La Maison Veillée for three uh, years now to be uh, transport. La Maison Veillée invested in, in, in uh, aromatic in order to, uh, to uh, okay. help them uh, in their development. So uh, as I was saying, Clemence and Thierry Roger, they are still owning the, the company and uh, man managing it, so they are still Uh, responsible for all the recipe development. Uh, they are all, they are still doing all the, the food sourcing, uh, also the rum. And now as La Maison Vélier and me specifically, I, uh, I work with them, uh, on the, on the rum sourcing because most of their, their main recipes are using, uh, some, uh, agricultural rum from, from Guadeloupe. Right. Uh, but for the limited edition, they started to, to do some, uh, some tests. For instance, two years ago, we did, uh, Uh, a rhum arrangé, uh, including some, uh, some Clara, Clara Casimir in it. Mm -hmm. ah. uh, it was uh, the IET edition. Uh, last year, we, we did the Jam Rock, which was uh, including some uh, Humben uh, rum also. Nice. Uh, I'm trying to, to help them uh, on the rum sourcing. And, uh, because this is not their specialty, but they are always happy you know, to discover some new stuff. I mean, they, before uh, developing the Jam Rock, they never tried any uh, Jamaican rum. Right. So in fact, they have also another recipe, which is uh, Rob Raisin, uh, which is a brand of uh, agricultural rum and, uh, and with some uh, uh, Jamaican rum. And yeah, it, it's really good. I don't know if, if you guys you have been able to try it. But, uh, a sample of the rum raisin? Yes, yeah. Yes. Yeah. And uh, this is what makes really the difference between aromatic and the other brands. It's that they are really able to develop new stuff. And we are also really happy to help them to develop new recipes. And uh, if it's sometimes just by uh, using a, a different swarm. Yeah, it sounds like a perfect marriage. So you're like, you know, hey, you've got all this cultural knowledge and you're doing a great job. And you and all the are gro saying... the grocery background as well. Working right. like the, the knowledge of fresh produce and exactly. everything. That's really interesting. Yeah, yeah, I can tell you they are so knowledgeable in fruit. I mean, they can tell you we would select this part of uh, this uh, specific uh, mandarin from Sicilia because this is the best one. And we want to buy it at this specific time of the season. And if the fruit is not good enough, they won't buy it and, and they won't do uh, the production. I mean, they, they are really focused on this. Uh, the, the, the fruit has to be uh, selected at the, the best time and from the, the best uh, destination also. Yeah, I would be lost there because I think the only fruit I can consistently pick out at the grocery store at the right ripeness is like a banana, like just like the most <laughs> obvious one, you know, if it's like a mango or a pineapple or something, it's just like, just guesswork Good for luck. me. Um, no, that's, that's really interesting though, because when you were talking about, you know, one of the things I was interested in was just how does rum vary between, uh, like Reunion Island and Martinique and Guadeloupe. And so you brought up that on uh, Reunion, it's a lot of molasses based rum. And so I was curious if you were going, is aromatic, is it just going to stick to the agricole rum in the blend or borrow from sort of other traditions and stuff? And so it's really cool to hear that you're also yeah. incorporating molasses rums like Hampton and and things like that. So you, you mentioned the rum that's being used mainly in aromatic is a rum agricole from Guadeloupe. Is that correct? Yeah. Yes, okay. exactly. And they are really uh, attached to it. They do believe that, yeah, the, the rum agricole has really, is really specific uh, among the others. So that's why they, they won't use uh, a, a traditional rum, uh, but, you know, the, the neutral one. Because, yeah, Honden, even if it's uh, made with molasses, it's, I mean, it's definitely a specific rum with so much flavor. But, I mean, maybe you have been able to try some uh, some uh, rum from La Réunion. You have uh, this uh, famous brand, which is great to do some cocktails, some uh, rum arrangé, etc. But because it's a really natural uh, rum, it enables you to, to have all the flavors from the fruit uh, in it. But they manage with this agricultural rum to, from Guadeloupe to have both this... Uh, really sugarcane flavor from the rum yeah. and also to let all the flavors from the fruit and then the aromatic express, express uh, themselves. So they, they really managed to have the, the perfect balance. But if you, if you know how many tests they are uh, doing before uh, validating one recipe, and they, this is also uh, uh, a lot of work for, for them. Maybe uh, sometimes they can do 20, 25, 30 different recipes. You know, sometimes it's just changing the, uh, the amount of uh, sugarcane syrup. So it can be, you know, uh, one or two grams uh, of difference. And this right. will definitely uh, influence the, the final test. So they are, they are really doing a lot of uh, try in order to, to have the perfect recipe. Uh, is that research like 
I mean, are are you years in, or, or are they years in in this research at this point? Has it taken that long to develop and and perfect, or has that been already kind of what they've worked on for years, and you're just bringing in this kind of uh, new element and just perfecting, tweaking? They're, a little they're, bit? they're yeah. entirely uh, independent on this. I mean, this is their uh, their knowledge. I mean, I, I'm, I'm definitely not a yeah, romantic yeah. producer. I can help them on the on the on the realm. And saying, okay, I think that this room could be a, a great, uh, a great match with your, with your product, mm-hmm. uh, because it's really different. And we are proposing them, we are finding them some samples. And then at the end, they, they, they are deciding and they are developing the, the recipe. Uh, the, the idea is definitely not to, to influence them on, on this, because I mean, to, to say they are definitely more knowledgeable than, than us. So, and they are really still leading the company. They are still in charge of all the research and development. So they are yeah. really still doing it. They are really passionate about, about it. I mean, to, to my mind, this is maybe what they, 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 they like the most in, in, in their job. So I mean, the, the website already, you know, there's quite a few different combinations of flavors and, and things out there already. I was like super impressed to see how many there are. And then uh, that led me to think like, how much experimentation was there? And I don't know if you all can speak about it or not, since it's more in the production side. But like, I was curious to know, were there other ones that kind of didn't make it yet or are you know like not to say there isn't enough already because there's a lot of choices but it's fascinating to me to see how it's kind of like this experimentation process of getting the right things in combination was there a lot more that you can talk about with the experimentation of I, can, it? I, can, I can tell you that we are preparing a, a new uh, recipe uh, including some clair oh, wow. oh wow it's gonna be it's gonna be great uh, including some uh, banana fresnets you know the small banana some uh, carcade, which is uh, hibiscus. Yes, hibiscus. Thank you, uh, Kate. And also some uh, some ginger. So it's really uh, untypical to my mind. This is really the, 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 the main value is that they are able to to develop some recipes that you yeah. never dream of. Yeah, I imagine it must be a really big challenge. And it's great to hear that they're continuing to experiment too, given that there's so much already. And I'd imagine scaling that up and how much you have to do with that, with the existing recipes you have, has to be really a challenge. But it's, it's still a small house, in fact, because uh, right. uh, as if they are, uh, cutting all the, they are still cutting all the fruit by hand, uh, they are wow. uh, filling all the bottle by hand until now. And uh, sometimes they can uh, produce for one recipe. If I speak about the best-selling one, which is the passion fruit vanilla, you can imagine that, that my sometimes they will receive yeah one thousand kilograms of uh, of passion fruit at the factory, and they will cut everything in one day because they want wow. to uh, to use uh, passion fruit while it's it's, it's still fresh, and right, so yeah. they will yeah. cut everything in one day. And yeah. then they will fill one bottle by bottle. This is a, this is amazing. I was going to ask, like, how because I've I've talked to other brands before that are selling something commercially that has fruit put inside, and I've heard it can be really challenging to figure out like the right shape to cut yeah. stuff into, and then like how to do it in a way where it's not insanely time consuming. So, like, how do you take something that you said like start starts out in a house all by hand? How do you kind of scale that up? Or do you even need to? Can it stay like that? They, 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 they are growing. They are growing. I mean, uh, the, the, last, the last couple of years, they have been growing really fast. So uh, for this summer, they will uh, extend the, the warehouse and, uh, and the factory. But it will still remain uh, done by hand, in fact, because they, they, they want, you know, to treat uh, the fruit with respect because at the end, in the bottle, the fruits you need to, to look, to look, uh, to look well, in fact, because uh, the taste and the aspect, uh, the look of the bottle, they are both important and uh, they really want, you know, to, to respect the fruit. So of course they are growing. So they are also hiring more people in order to, to be able to, to, to produce more. So some stuff maybe uh, build some, some tools to, to do it. So for instance, to, to, to pour the rum into, uh, into the bottle, I can imagine that you can have a tool, a machine to, to do it. But yeah. uh, for, uh, for the fruit, they will still uh, cut everything by hand. They will start washing all the, the fruit by hand and cutting them. And uh, they will remain like this because uh, this is for us the best way to, to maintain a high quality. You hear that, Will? He said the look of the bottle is important. I, I, I'm right there with you. <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's a Will and I thing where we fight over a little bit. <laughs> we just have very different tastes in, in which bottles look great and, and which ones don't look as good. But we can leave that for another conversation. Um, I will say I since, want to see since, your top 10 lists. Well, I will oh, say... 
I will say one one of my personal favorites that I always love is the Hampton packaging. Those those bottles are some of my favorites. I love the labels. Actually, I have a bottle of the Overproof, the one that, as I understand, will be disappearing soon. Um, I just got a, a bottle of that, or not disappearing, but evolving, changing. Keep, um, keep one case for you. Keep one case. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> um, but no, just I was looking at the box and just like the bright colors. It's just ah, that's my happy that's place. His jam. Um, but go, going back to the, the fruit sourcing, so they have this background as grocers, so I'm, I'm sure they know all the best places to source these fruits. But my understanding is also that it's kind of like there's a seasonal component to this product. Um, yes. They're, they're not, are there certain ones that they can do year round? Like, can you get great passion fruit in France year round? Or how does the planning work for that? And how do you manage like, consistency with also a variety of seasons and stuff? No, you're, you're, it's, a, it's, a, it's a great question. So, so yeah, some recipes are able to produce it as uh, one year because they will change the source. So mm-hmm. uh, the passion fruit is able to bite almost all the year and depending on the time of the season, uh, okay. they will uh, yeah, change the, the source. But uh, if you have a recipe, which is uh, kiwi, pineapple and, and mango, this one, they can produce it only two months a year. Oh, okay. And the idea is for them, because this is the right time to get the best mango, the best pineapple and, and the best kiwi, and they won't do it at another moment because, I mean, they could do it and, and source uh, and, and get uh, the, the fruits, but they are not good enough for them to be used for the Roma Roger. So that's why they, they, they are only producing, producing it uh, two, two, two months uh, a year. And depending on the recipe, yeah, the fruits, uh, unfortunately, they are not uh, always uh, able to, to uh, sort them locally. But botanicals, the herbs that they are using also in the, in the, in the recipes are always uh, freshly cut and, uh, and from a local source. So, I mean, when it's possible, they are doing uh, their best to source uh, uh, the product locally, but yeah, I mean, passion fruit, yeah, it's difficult to grow it in the, in the north of right. France. So yeah, that's why right. this one's are obliged to, to, to buy it from, from the book. So something like the, the basil pineapple, for example, maybe the basil could be sourced locally, whereas the pineapple exactly. would likely yeah. come from somewhere else. Yes. Yeah. And that seasonality also ties into something I was also kind of thinking about as I was perusing the website a little bit. And there is something on the website that says, unlike regular rum in a glass bottle, it says, the longer you wait, the better your elixir will get. And now we know elixir is a good word, right? Because it could be medicinal even. (laughs) Uh, So I I get why that is, obviously, because the fruit that's in the bottle there that's actually physically in the bottle will continue to interact with the rum over time. I also kind of thought that, wow, that's an interesting challenge from a timing perspective yeah because now with respect to when you bottle it you know it's gonna you know sit a little bit in logistics of getting to where it needs to go and prior to purchase so i guess the follow-up there is how do you really measure when it's best to bottle that and i guess there's a follow-up question is could it sit too long is that possible no, you can't stay too long because uh, all the recipes are really, uh, they have, you know, it, they have to follow it perfectly. And uh, at one point, in fact, the rum will have uh, absorbed all the flavors from, uh, from, uh, from the fruit. So, uh, the, 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 yeah, the evolution <laughs> yeah. Will, will stop. But for instance, you, you shouldn't uh, let uh, some cinnamon in your rum arranger for too long because at one point, the cinnamon will, uh, will uh, dominate, uh, yeah. dominate everything. Yeah. From, for some spices, yeah, you shouldn't let, let them uh, the whole time. But for instance, they have a recipe including ginger. Kate was mentioning it uh, uh, previously. They are like cutting really slice thin, so thin slice of ginger. So in fact, maybe in, in six months, there is no no longer any ginger flavor to uh, to get to get from the slice. So yeah. so so the maturation stop. Yeah, yeah. But they will I always tell you that yeah, the, the you need at least one month, one month and a half, depending on the recipe, for the, the the bottle to be ready for consumption. And after mm-hmm. this, yeah, you can you can keep it, and uh, there is no 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 problem. I guess I have a question, a follow-up on that, about how that exactly works. So you mentioned the process a little bit of how it's done and that they're doing all the cutting and the and bottling by hand, but is it made in batches and then it's bottled or is no, it... No, all the maturation is done directly in the bottle. Got it. So it's you put the you put the fruits in the blend in there in the bottle you put the rum in the bottle and bam that's the magic happens exactly which goes first does the rum go in the bottle first or do the fruits <laughs> and stuff go in the bottle first that's a good question ah uh, good question uh, do you remember when we visited them I think it's them? the rum I um 
I had the opportunity to go and visit in December with uh, Joanne. We took the train up to Lille. Am I saying that right, Lille? Yes. And uh, (laughs) it was such a lovely day. Um, We went and visited the production and met with Thierry and Clemence. And I was completely blown away. I'd seen the bottles before, I tasted them before. But I think that when you hear that something is done by hand and then you walk into a room with people picking up every single mango, looking at it, washing it Mm -hmm. by hand, skinning it by hand, cutting it by hand, putting the exact amount weight into each bottle by hand. Uh, It shocked me because in America, I guess I just assume that everything is kind of industrialized and automated. (laughs) Right. um, And when I see packaging like this, I, you know, I, I think something different. But then the the care that I saw making sure that every piece of mango that went into the bottle was perfectly cut, it very, very much uh, surprised and delighted me. And I, I recall to answer the question that there was rum in the bottle on the table as okay. they made the mango slices in. Okay. Probably totally inconsequential, but I was yeah, just curious yeah. <laughs> once I started thinking about it. Really, but the other thing that really struck me is how good that room smelled. I mean, mm. if you could imagine yourself in a room filled with people's hands slicing mango at the peak of season like it was intoxicating (laughs) i mean even if i'm just like in the kitchen like slicing a lime to make a cocktail or something i'm like god it smells so good you know um so yeah yeah, an entire room full of perfectly ripe mangoes so were they working exclusively with mangoes the day that you were there were they doing anything else there they were slicing mango yeah it's a Um, good day to be there it was a really good day yeah yeah we're looking (laughs) <laughs> yeah. So this is kind of like, I don't maybe like a geeky kind of businessy question, but I'm sure this is something that dovetails with y'all's day-to-day jobs a lot. You, you were speaking earlier to in France, you know, you, you can't necessarily call it a rum arrangé because of the ABV. It's it's it has to be mm-hmm. called a rum punch, right? And I know sometimes in the U.S., if something has a spirit in it, you know, whether it's rum or whiskey or whatever, and there's some sort of infusion or something where it doesn't quite fit into the category, it kind of gets shoved over into a different section of the store. It's not like right by where all the rum is and stuff like that. Is that a challenge that you have encountered or that you anticipate on encountering? And and or am I just like imagining it? And that's you're, you're not worried about that. I think that's a good question. Um I think that, you know, we we have our own special circumstances in the uh-huh. U.S. here. You know, calling it a uh, rum punch in the U.S., I think, didn't, kind of connotes a different um, right. idea of what, definitely. you know, we think rum punch is. And yeah. I definitely was afraid that if we called it that here, it was going to end up, you know, with the big jugs of of yeah. rum punch yeah. that are <laughs> Kate just used air quotes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, like that rum punch color, that kind of like, murky sunrise, mm-hmm. orangey red. Yeah. Um, so I, I really didn't want it to end up there. So, you know, Joanne and I talked and we said, you know, let's not use punch au rum or rum punch in the U.S. because it has a different meaning here. I think rum arrangé is really nice, rum arranged, or as I like to call it, rum with stuff in it. <laughs> 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 but I think that, you know, the the packaging is really beautiful, yeah, it is. It's, Seeing it kind of tells you what's in it, you know? Right, right. Yeah, that's nice. Really, yeah. Good choice. If you yeah. wanted to know where the flavor comes from, it's it's from that piece of fruit that's inside yeah. uh-huh. it. That's it, really. But, you know, 29, 30%, it's not a spirit. We had the the issue with this lemon, thyme, and ginger, which it's now called, um, which you mentioned before, it's originally called Amor Selixatora. And the TTB yeah, does not like those story. words. Oh, <laughs> they didn't like that? You're kidding. The TTB? Oh. Yeah, weird. You can call something, I think, elixir. Yeah, so elixir. Yeah. So. yeah it, 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 its uh, current name is Amoris Elixatora. And uh, yeah, it's a Latin word meaning uh, elixir. So it's kind of uh, a medicine. So the TTB told us, yeah. You shouldn't uh, let people think that uh, uh, your rum arrangé is a medicine. So, yeah, you're not allowed like, to use They're like uh, Latin in America? Uh, no, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> so that one's being relabeled. <laughs> and, and legally, we were obliged to, to, to put on the label a rum with natural flavor. Yes. Actually, I, I did like... Yeah. One of the things that I think is is hard with, with stuff like this is that people see it and they're like, oh, it's a flavored rum. And like, 
on one hand, okay, it is a rum that has been flavored with something. But when anyone hears the term flavored rum, or at least I won't speak for everyone, for me personally, I hear flavored rum and I think rum with flavor essences added or something right. like that, you know, something, it just has kind of an artificial kind yeah. of connotation, I think. Some kind of powder went in there. Flavored yeah. rum. Yeah, so <laughs> yeah, like how, how do you, I, Kate, you kind of mentioned it there, you call it rum with stuff in it. And I feel like <laughs> that description and just like, like seeing the bottle with the fruit kind of like helps overcome that hurdle. But I don't like, how do you guys think about that? I mean, I, I think that you're right. I think that if you say flavored rum, like I immediately picture, you know, a retail shop's shelves with yeah you know, 25 flavors of Mm, X big mm, brand rum. And this is very different than that. And guys, I mean, I was super skeptical about this project because it's so different from what we usually do. You know, if you look at the Clahan and the Hamden estate and Mm -hmm. our typically pretty, you know, nerdy bottles um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) that we, we love and that we are known for. And, I saw this project and I was like, man, like this is just so far from what we typically do. But then I tasted it and I was like, gosh, this is delicious. Um, I got really excited about it. And I don't know, I think that in realm, it's it's important to open a lot of doors for people and allow people to have different ways into um, this category that we mm. clearly all love so much. And I was thinking about this range just sort of as a different way to open a door for someone into the world of rum because you know maybe drinking something like like Hamden Estate or Rum Agricole uh, could be a bit challenging for a beginner mm-hmm. and this is such a lovely way to enter that category but you know as Jawan said before um, and as you guys tasted like the rum is absolutely there yeah this, you know the rum is not hidden it is mm-hmm. it's absolutely there and it you know, I brought a bottle of that passion fruit vanilla to a party the other day. I poured it in a pitcher. I topped it with a bottle of bubbles and like instant smash hit. Like it's it's so delicious. Um, I have a mental image of you walking in like with shades on and just like this bottle out of nowhere <laughs> and just like, you know, not saying anything to anybody. You walk right into the center of the room, bloop, pop it, put it into the bowl and bam, the it's like, starts. there's I mean, the party. <laughs> poof. I feel like that's a Kate Carey thing. <laughs> You're not entirely wrong. <laughs> hey, there we go. <laughs> no, I did. When, um, Johan, when you brought that up earlier about you can encounter versions of this where there's almost kind of like a neutral taste to, you know, the spirit that's in there. And um, I, I had to taste a bunch of flavored whiskeys recent, recently. And I noticed that with some of them. I was like, I if you had if you hadn't told me this was flavored whiskey, I wouldn't have known there was whiskey in this. And um, on that note of like this being something that can introduce people to rum who are less familiar with it, especially, you know, a a category like rum agricole, for example, Mm -hmm. um, which less people are familiar with to begin with in the U S I did really like that with this, I, in all of these, no matter what the, what had been added to it, like the rum was always there. And there was like that balance between the rum and the flavors and everything. And they played off of each other. So that was one thing that I, I did really appreciate about this. No, no, that's good. Really? Thank you. But I think it's a, it's a great challenge for us to introduce uh, this brand and this category in the, in the United States of America, because yeah, you guys, you are not really familiar with this kind of product. When uh, in France, I mean, uh, Romaranger is something big. I mean, the, the, the market is big. You have a hundred and hundred of brands uh, developing right now. So it's something really common. I mean, uh, Romaranger, almost everybody have been able to try Romaranger when they, they, uh, they are going on holidays to La Réunion, to Martinique, or to Guadeloupe. They are obviously uh, uh, tasting it and bringing some, uh, in, uh, in France and now in the, uh, at the retail shop, uh, you can, you can find numerous brands of uh, Romarange. So it's really easy to, to find them. One, I would think that it's a great challenge for us to introduce it in the, in the USA is that because in fact, nobody knows this kind of product. So we are yeah. really also obliged to, to, to think, to rethink how to, to, to build the brand, how to educate people on this kind of product. And I love, uh, I, I really like the way that when we introduce this uh, product to Kate, I remember you, you, you also create new way of consumption. I mean, when you told me that you were uh, uh, mixing uh, the passion fruit vanilla with some champagne, I was like, I would have never <laughs> done this. Why not? Why not? And it, it, and it seems delicious. So uh, I really like the, the, yeah, the fact that since, yeah, you, you, 
really don't know this is a product. You, you are also inventing new work on consumption. And I'm sure that we, the, the French market could also benefit from it because uh, maybe now it's too, uh, the, the, the market is so, so big. Uh, everybody is doing kind of the same thing. So by also introducing a new way of consumption, I think it's also a great uh, opportunity for this category to grow and uh, also to, to attract uh, more people because uh, you will be able to give them yeah, a lot of different way to yeah to drink this product. You can drink yeah. it neat and works. You can use it in, in a cocktail. We did some bakeries also with it, and it was amazing. So so yeah, I think it's a great challenge, but it's a great opportunity for the, the category. I did want to ask because that's one thing that I struggle with anytime I encounter a rum product that isn't just rum. Is is how how do I best use this? Um, is is it typically in Martinique, for example, is someone typically just going to have rum orange by itself? Are they going to pour it over ice? Are they going to put it in juice? Kate, you mentioned champagne. That actually sounds great now that I think about it. Um, <laughs> but I'm completely clueless in trying to figure out like the best way to deploy this. So what are like some ways that you recommend? Before. Uh, yeah, knowing the the, 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 the cake recipes, I would have told you, okay, but the rhum arrangé, uh, you drink it neat or on, on rocks. Uh, Clemence and Thierry, the producers, are recommending, you know, to, to put the bottle in the fridge just before the tasting in order uh, to have it chilled mm-hmm. but not diluted with uh, the ice. So this is the most common way of consumption of, uh, of rhum arrangé. And I would say that maybe 99% of the people are drinking like this. But now that uh, we have introduced uh, Rome Arrangé in, uh, in the USA, now you, you will start to see people yeah, drinking it with uh, some champagne, uh, as, as a Thierry, or, or <laughs> with some vermouth also. I mean, it's, uh, it's unlimited. I think that you, especially because you have so many different recipes that right. you, can, you can really imagine a lot of different ways to drink uh, Rome Arrangé. I think that our main focus should be also to yeah, to work with some bartender and to develop new way of consumption because a bartender is like a cook, so he's yeah. an innovative guy uh, or a woman, and uh, they, they would be able to yeah to develop new way of consumption, and this is what is great. And and I think that maybe uh, nobody ever thought about yeah uh, having a bartender uh, using this kind of product, and uh, it's a, it's a, it's a good opportunity. I think. When I saw these, I I think that, you know, in America, we love to take a thing and put it into a cocktail. And Uh so I had a really fun sort of R&D day with my buddy, Justin Alford, who's a really talented photographer. And we went over to an R&D bar and just really had a blast playing. And I was making view carrés and old fashions with the Criollo, which is banana cacao and the rum raisin, Mm -hmm. um, which is my low-key favorite. I mean, three kinds of raisins, three kinds of rum, rum agricole and Jamaican rum, like sign me up, yes, please, (laughs) all day. (laughs) And then I also did a really fun R&D project where I I took the the stuff left over, the stuff that was still in the bottle, and I had a chef friend come over oh, to my yeah. house, and she made four different recipes with the the stuff in the bottle. Because I was imagining people would say, "Okay, so I drank my bottle. What do I do with these raisins left in it?" And we yeah. made um, buckwheat pancakes with flambéed oh, wow. raisins wow. Um, cool. and walnuts. It was so good. We made a uh, pork chop with a reduced roasted pineapple and basil. Oh, um, sauce. I need better friends who, who I can use this <laughs> stuff with. <laughs> you, get, you get like a bonus, a bonus out of every bottle with that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. so cool. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that you know, America's really good at innovating. When mm-hmm. you know, we see a thing, we're like, great. What are we? We love to be creative and see all the different ways to do it, even if maybe it's a, a new <laughs> concept. To people. Uh-huh. Who have been enjoying stuff like this for a long time. Um, yeah. But I, I think it's a really exciting thing. And I mean, I will also say that at the end of the day, there's only about 400 bottles of each of these in the whole country. Oh, wow. And it's only in nine states. I <laughs> so, was going to ask, yeah, like, where are you in terms of like yeah, the, it's, the, the it's U.S. Really takeover? Really yeah, we just we just shipped one pallet of each over. So there's not a whole lot of it. But, you know, if you're, I don't know, if you want to try something new and try something that is kind of the first time that, you know, there's there are some similar products. I've seen some really beautiful stuff from uh, Puerto Rico, I think you mentioned before, mm-hmm. uh-huh. around, you know, their 
is some some really cool rum with stuff in it brands. But yeah. this <laughs> is the first rum arrangé to hit the U.S. market, to my knowledge, which I think is just really cool, considering especially what Shawan said, where there's over a hundred brands of this circulating around France right now. This is a yeah, really fast-growing category globally. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe there's some really fun potential in the U.S. So it's it's kind of a a situation I think that Joanne and I find ourselves in with a lot of stuff where it's here's this really delicious thing and then we see how people react we see what people want to do with it we kind of let the market tell us in a way which and it was always my advice too when um when I was opening bars in my past life you can only build a bar out like 75 percent you know you can put up the walls you can do the decor you can make a drink list but it's going to be your your clientele who comes in and sits and, you know, wears out the seats and scuffs up the tables yeah. and kind of tells you the vibe of your place. I think that leaving a little bit of room for that in all walks of life is important. Yeah, hundred percent. You gotta have you, the interaction. You, you can't. You can't completely one hundred percent pre-engineer the vibes. There has to be a natural yeah. development that goes along. Totally. With it. That's yeah. that's the best vibes always. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, well, this has been really awesome learning about uh, more about rum orange, more about uh, aromatic. And yeah, I, I, I think it's just this whole kind of I, I feel like for a long time, in terms of, you know, what's available commercially in the US, we saw a lot of just the kind of mass produced spiced rum, mass produced mm-hmm. flavored rum mm-hmm. without totally fully natural processes. And it seems like we're seeing more stuff more variety in recent years between you know projects like this we're seeing like botanical rums and things like that it seems like people are approaching this from a variety of different angles quality over quantity yeah yeah (laughs) in a lot of ways yeah it's good to see more products that where the rum is still treated well and and put it center stage so Mm -hmm. i'm excited to see what happens with it before we let y'all go is there anything aromatic related we didn't get to or i know you're all you're as we mentioned earlier, you're working on all kinds of other stuff, all kinds of projects with distilleries that our listeners love very much. Give us much. the dirt. Any anything anything else you can share uh, that you're excited about? Any dirt, but uh, first of all, yeah, there is definitely more uh, aromatic to come. Uh, hopefully uh, this summer I would be able to, to ship uh, more more pallets. And uh, yeah, since we are seeing a great potential in the USA, yeah, I think that uh, my, my main ob- objective for 2023 will be to, to develop a special recipe for, for, the, for the, U- the U.S. market. Ooh, uh, where do you start year, with that? Next year, uh, this will be the, the fifth anniversary of La Maison Velier in the USA. So, uh, you can start with uh, us. <laughs> <laughs> right here, guys. <laughs> We're in the U.S. That's great. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, yeah we, we need to, to do something special uh, for our fifth anniversary, and uh, we are working on it with uh, Escape. We will eagerly await that. Um, well, thanks again to you both and everyone listening. Keep an eye out for Aromatic. Uh, if you see a bottle, but there's only 400 over here. So that's only 400. It's a rare find. <laughs> so go ahead and grab it. Let me know what you think, too. Yeah. I'm, I'm so interested to see how people enjoy them. I definitely, you know, as we said, recommend chilling the bottle mm. before you drink it. Really nice when they're just ice cold on a hot summer day. Yeah. Um, and then you chill afterwards with it, right? Yeah, chill and then before you and chill after. Will is taking the second. Yeah, to I gotta stop. get in something semi silly earlier. You were ahead. <laughs> I think Kate Kate praised your first bad pun, but I can tell she's having to force a smile through that one. I'm so. here for it. Give me all the puns all day. I mean, also it's aromatic. Um, That's true. exactly, That's true. and I didn't yeah. even touch that one. So you're welcome. Yes. Well, thank you again both so much, and uh, yeah, everyone, keep an eye out for aromatic. All right. Thanks, everyone, so much for listening to another episode of The Rumcast. Hey, guess what? Uh, It's about that time of the month. Again, we have another Rumcast happy hour coming up for our Rumcast patrons. That's coming up on Thursday, May 26th. 
at 7 p.m. Central, 8 p.m. Eastern. So if you want to come hang out with us, drink some rum, uh, we're going to focus on rums made outside the Caribbean on this call. Mm. So I think it's going to be pretty fun um, getting into some interesting stuff. But yeah, if you want to join us for that, head over to patreon.com slash the rumcast. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash the rumcast. Uh, this is kind of a, a, a bonus thing we do for our, what we call our cask strength patrons. Uh, but you can get all the info for that there. And as always, we'd love to hear your thoughts, comments, questions, reactions. If you are one of the people who's able to come across one of the 400 bottles of Aromatic that has made it to the U.S. so far, let us know what you think of it. You can email us, host at rumcast.com. That's H-O-S-T at rumcast.com. John, where can they find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube? What are we? How can people look us up? How can they send us messages and talk to us? We are at the Rumcast on all those platforms, Will, as well as YouTube, and you can find us on any of those. We try to engage as often as we can in there uh, and uh, post everything we can also to those channels. So if you're uh, feeling froggy, feel free to leave a comment on any one of those platforms. Feeling and, uh, froggy? Yeah, you've never heard that? that before? You're feeling froggy? That's, a, that's no. an expression. Like if you're feeling like you want to do something. You never will. You've never heard fr- feeling frisky. Frog? No, no, no. Frisky's much different. We're not, we're, this, we're not that podcast, Will. We're not that podcast. Yeah, but, uh, okay. Yeah, froggy. Okay. I, I just need to translate for whoever's listening and is like me and is like I've I've never I don't know what it mean, what it is to feel froggy. So yeah. Well, now you know if you've made it this far in the episode, please leave a comment on one of our social for Will and tell him it's not the first time uh, you've heard feeling froggy and what it means. So we appreciate it. We appreciate all that you do to listen and support our show. And thank you so much for listening. Uh, and we will see you next time on the next episode of the Rumpcast. Thanks, everyone.